0: Hi, this is David Steele of the Orlando Magic and Fox Sports, Florida, and you're listening to the Penny for Your Thoughts podcast from the guys at Orlando Magic UK. Now it's over to Garrett, Mikey, and Paul. Go Magic!
1: What's good, Magic fans? Welcome to episode 18 of Penny for Your Thoughts. Uh, I'm joined today by my usual guest, Mikey Clark, who's been upsetting folks on Magic Twitter by not saying anything. How are you, mate?
2: I'm good, mate. I'm good, thank you. Yeah, there's um, a few um sensitive people on Twitter, aren't there? So uh, I'll, I'm just <laughs> going to leave it there. <laughs> Paul, how are you, mate?
0: Very well, thank you. Yes, all good here. No worries yourself, mate?
1: Yeah, good. Thank you, mate and we are delighted to be joined today by philip rossman reich uh, site editor for orlando magic daily host of the locked on magic podcast and a regular part of the magic media scrum how's it going phil
3: uh, it is going good i'd like to i'd like to know your secret how you tick people off by not saying anything on twitter because it seems like anything i say just just gets just sets magic fans off sometimes <laughs>
2: i don't know what it is phil i mean the question so there's this there's this uh let's just put it out there there's a guy called magic Bamber on twitter apparently he's got a bit of a beef with me for some reason because uh you know what it's like twitter you debate things
3: yeah um, yeah and opinions are usually pretty level-headed you know everyone's yeah. willing to listen and talk to each other yeah
2: <laughs> yeah and we, we had a, a a disagreement over a debate a couple of years ago and he's blocked me on twitter since and then every now and then i get a screenshot from, uh, from the guys with a, a tweet mentioning me now and then. So uh, it's funny, but there we go. <laughs> Let him at it. Got better things it to worry about. All set. Right. So, you, um,
1: so I'll start the uh, proceedings as usual with the weekly Magic News Roundup. So um, Evan Fournier returned to the lineup on Wednesday night when he traveled to face the Minnesota Timberwolves. As a welcome boost. Um, same day, Markel felt underwent surgery to repair his left knee's torn ACL. It's performed by a surgeon by the name of Neil trash or something, uh, who's widely regarded as one of the best surgeons for this kind of surgery, according to Josh Robin. So that's a bit of good news. Um, and last piece of uh, news for the week is the Magic have adjusted some of the game day um, tip-off times. Um, to coincide with the NBA's game day testing uh, for COVID. So the games against the Hornets on Sunday and the Clippers this Friday have both been moved to eight Eastern tip-off times. So 1am for us in the UK. Um, other than that, no um, no more players back from the injury uh, list, but luckily no more injuries to report. So um, let's kick kick things off this week with just recapping the three games since our last show uh the first game was on mlk day and i'll hand it over to mikey when we face the new york knicks
2: yep yeah, so we we lost 84 to 91 which we were pretty excited about because it was the first uh, nice early tip-off we've had in the uk this season at five <laughs> o'clock so um that was really cool but apart from that <laughs> we were um frustrated quite early on. Uh, the Magic got off to a good start, Vooch uh, scoring the first nine points but then the Knicks made life tough for us really on the offensive end for much of the of the game. Uh, we scored 13 points in the first quarter, 25 in the second and just 16 in the third and we scored 31% from the field and that was really the biggest issue was unable to, to score the ball and get anything going on the offensive end really. Um, and really, we trailed by 12 going into the start of the fourth quarter. Um, and Terence Ross was was the biggest factor coming off the bench. He scored 16 of his 19 points um, and really got us back in the ball game and, and made a, a run down the stretch. Um, and the big play, which I'm sure we all cheered at, was when T. Ross grabbed that loose ball, when uh, Ken Birch went up for the, um, the tip-off and uh, grabbed the ball and then the shot clock expired, shot in a one-handed three. Um, to give the Magic a one-point lead. But then from then on, uh, the Knicks went on an 11-3 to three run and we, we didn't execute well going down the stretch. Um, couldn't really get key stops. And then the, I think the biggest costly turnover was Aaron Gordon towards the end of that one. Um, and it, it's just a frustrating loss, really, wasn't it? Um, but Gordon finished with a career-high 17 rebounds to go with 18 points and nine assists. Um, I can't remember if this is this game or was a Timberwolves game, but he had one of his, he, he got, it was, credited. This, one. It was this
3: one. He it got credited. another yeah, assist. Triple, so double. Actually,
2: He finished. I, I
3: think it was the Timberwolves game actually.
2: Oh really? Okay. Yeah,
3: I think it was, I think it was the Timberwolves game. I'm sure I saw on the PR
2: account. It was the New York game, but oh, maybe it
3: was, uh, maybe, maybe not. I, don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I gotta,
2: I gotta, I gotta move on
3: to the next game after it's over. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but yeah, but apart from that, um, so yeah, AG finished triple double and it was just really a, a frustrating night. I think the, the biggest thing that we'll remember the game for was um David, Jeff, and Dante giving us a nice shout out during the, the halftime break. So um we we're all we we're all happy to for them to,
3: to do that for us.
1: What were your thoughts on the game, Phil?
3: Um, yeah, it really frustrating afternoon, obviously. Um part of me wanted to believe that. Some of the shooting struggles were a product of it being a noon tip-off. Uh, you know, noon tip-offs are notoriously just bad for shooting. Um, so, part of me wanted to believe that it was, it was that, but you know, we know that this team is offensively challenged, especially without Evan Fournier. Um, we know that they're they're going to go through stretches where they don't score, and so what what was impressive to me was how the Magic still fought even when they were shooting. I mean, they were they were hovering around 30% for most of the game. Um, And so, you know, really for the first time since Fultz got hurt and really for the first time all season, it was their defense that kept them in the game. And, and, you know, that's something that's supposed to be this team's strength. That's something that's supposed to be what they hang their hat on. And frankly, it's been something they've really struggled with. I mean, even when they had Marco Fultz, even when they were playing really well at the beginning of the season, they weren't defending particularly well. And so to see them get a really strong defensive game. And again, the Knicks are a really good defensive team. They're playing some incredible defense right now. So the offense was going to probably struggle anyway. Um, But to see the magic give themselves a chance to win was a positive sign. But of course, you know, we're not in the business of moral victories here We're we're trying to make the playoffs. And, you know, these are games you can't get back. And and I think that's kind of been the theme of the last two weeks is, you know, this team is still trying to figure itself out without Markel Foltz again. But, uh, with the, you need to make progress, but you need to also win, and and, and I think that's the disappointing part of, of the last you know two two three weeks.
1: Yes, good assessment. What do you think, Paul?
0: Uh honestly, um, I think it was I think it was this game where the, it was the stat of the first half play, and I think it was this game, um, where Dwayne Bacon and Gary Clark combined. For no points, no rebounds, no assists, no blocks, no steals, but a total of three fouls. That kind of summed up where we were. And if, if I'm wrong on the on the game, whether it was a previous game, I'm sure it was the New York game. Um, it was. We felt like we were being carried, and we never really got going. And we only played that fourth quarter. We played one quarter. Um, you know, the fault laid with ourselves for not playing more quarters. Um, like, like Phil says, the, the Knicks were playing some really, really good defence. Um, they are a tough, tenacious team and they've put three results together now that have seen them move up the standings. But I can't help it. I was disappointed to, to not see us come away with a W. Uh, they are a team that we should be beating if we want to be. Showing for the playoffs, and that's no disrespect to New York at all because they played well. Just, yeah, to
2: com- just to confirm, it was the uh Knicks game that um got overturned. So yeah, James Ennis was given the uh, the assist originally, but they overturned that and gave it to AG. So it was the triple double on, on Monday. I'm a sick
3: there, guys. All right, let's go.
2: <laughs> we'll mate, let's we'll leave. edit that out, Phil. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Cool. Um, so we then continued the road trip and moved to Minnesota on Wednesday. Um, we were greeted with the return of Evan Fournier. Um, the Magic took, took the game 97-96, and I'm sure we're going to discuss this in great detail. Um, but just a quick rundown of the game. Um, so at the half, we were down 51-35. At one point in the third period, we were down 20 Um, And we were even down 91-81 with 2.52 remaining in the fourth quarter. Now, you wouldn't get many people betting on us to win, um, you know, being down 10 with less than three minutes to go. Uh, The team was led by Evan Fournier with 24, Nick Vucevic 28 and eight rebounds. Aaron Gordon flirted with a triple-double again, 13 points, nine rebounds, seven assists. And that man Cole Anthony scored 13 points, including three of three from deep. Um, two of them in the last two minutes, including the uh, the game-winning shot. Um, the Timberwolves just quickly touch on them. D'Angelo Russell scored 19, uh, one of five Timberwolves to score in double figures. Um, but let's be honest, Cole Anthony got us got us out of jail there it was a bit like the New York game, wasn't it? The first half, we didn't really turn up. Uh, turned it up a notch in the second half, played a little bit better, um, and then shots started falling in the fourth quarter. Um, lots of um, Butovic, uh, Evan Fournier, pick and rolls. Um, what else? Um, the only thing is, that whilst we won, and it was all a great feeling... It did paper, uh, paper across a lot of cracks in the Magic's um, play. So everyone's happy, but we can't be playing like we did in the first half against New York, like we did in the first half against the Timberwolves. I think they went on a 24-1 to run, spanning seven minutes in the second quarter, and it turned a, a six-point uh, Magic lead, and we were down, down some 14-15. Um, so what do you think, guys? Happy?
0: We're we going with I'll, I'll
1: go for Anyone.
0: I uh, mate. Yes, obviously you're happy it was a W. We've we've not seen one for a few for a few days. Um so yeah, I was up and out of my chair, punching the air. I think the uh, dog nearly soiled the carpet as a result of uh, my <laughs> loud celebration. <laughs> um but you know, honestly. We were playing the team that has the worst record in the NBA. Um, at that point, we have to be honest and say that we were we were twenty points down against a team that are struggling. You have to question how where how we got there. Um, we struggled again from beyond the arc. Ten of thirty-one in that game, I think it was. Um, by contrast, Minnesota. Had outscored us again on the three point shot. Uh, It's happening so often, we have to address that issue. And that was my biggest thing on the night. Yes, the win was great, but it did cover up some failings on that game. And again, it was a three point shot with 10 of 30, 10 of 31. It is. It's not, you can't keep doing it. Can't keep doing it. We have to shoot better.
3: Phil? It's yeah it's 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 not even just that Minnesota's one of the worst records in the NBA. I think the concerning part is that in Minnesota also has one of the worst defenses in the NBA. Um and you know early on it looked like the Magic were going to get whatever they wanted and then you know they broke the lineup as Steve Clifford likes to say and then it just became a huge struggle fest. Um you know the team just wasn't able to to get itself going and, and, they, and they didn't find like the pet play that they can go to, to make sure they got points. It felt like, you know, everyone was forcing things. And so um, it, it felt like the team was feeling the pressure of the losing streak um, and they were trying too hard to get themselves out of it. Um, you know, again, 16 losing streak, you know, you can lose a season pretty quickly if you, if you build up those long losing streaks. I mean, you go back and think about the pre Clifford days, um, those teams had seven multiple seven eight game losing streaks and, and that's how you end up deep 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 in the hole and you know the magic had the, the fast start they've kind of spent that all already now um, and now they're kind of in the middle of the pack and that in that early playoff chase as we get to the quarter pole but this game really felt like it was the magic needing to kind of let go and play loose again um it just it just felt like everything was forced and, and once they got down in that hole in the second quarter, it seemed like their only way out was to just keep digging and that only gets you further in the hole. And so they had to kind of figure things out. And so, you know, I, I did take, you know, the second half as very encouraging. I mean, coming back from 20 points down, I know Coach Clifford likes to say that those leads don't mean much. That's still a really, really big thing. And, and the Magic showed some grit and determination to get it done. But yeah, no, I agree. Um, the offensive problems are not going away. This team is still going to be subject to quarters like that, especially against better defenses. Um, and so they, they needed to kind of get out of their own heads a little bit to win this game, um, but they're going to need a lot more moving forward.
0: You, you could see the frustration uh, that Vooch was going through because he really went cold at one point, didn't he? Uh, if memory serves me right, he missed a fairly open three and was banging away at the floor in frustration. That, and he, he seemed to pick up again after that. Um, he also needed a lot of credit for saving us, getting a technical late in the game when um, mm-hmm. Ross and the coach were complaining about a, uh, a call and he did a good job in saving us, getting a technical there.
2: Mikey? It's a cold, cold world. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, I, you guys have really touched for most of the points. Um, yeah, they obviously struggled in, in the second quarter and... Um, I, <sighs> for me well we won the game we have talked about the main points i think that sort of performance that sort of grit and determination to get back into the game i don't think we would have probably done that a couple of years ago um maybe before in steve clifford's first season or when this team were trying to figure things out we've got we've got a bit of resilience about us now and we've had a lot of things go against us of injuries and and obviously abamba's been out with covid and stuff like that um so yeah, things aren't going our way, but they're not giving in. Look, we're only what one game under 500, two games under 500. Um, so, look, there's still plenty to play for. Yet, um, it's a bit like a centre forward needing a, who's been on a goal drought that needs a goal to get themselves going again. The magic were a bit like that, trying to trying to snap the the, the losing streak. Was it six straight before that? Mm-hmm. So they're trying to snap that losing streak to get that bad feeling out of the way. Um, And uh, we'll talk about the next game uh, in a minute. But obviously that sort of gave us that good feeling and hopefully we can build on the last two performances.
1: Yeah, one more point. Um, The return of Evan Fournier. um, He makes such a difference to the offence. You've got somebody on the wing who can put the ball on the floor, make things happen, uh, get the the, the defence to, you know, collapse on. Um, How important is he going forward?
3: He's, he's, vitally, he's vitally important. Um, I mean, I think you could see even in the Minnesota game in the moment, even in the moments the Magic were struggling, just how key he is. Um, you know, this is a team that, you know, the biggest complaint that everyone has about the Magic and it's the correct complaint, they don't have enough shooting and they were down probably their most consistent shooter. I mean, Evan Fournier, you know, say what you want about him. You can be critical about some aspects of his game. Um, I think his, I think a lot of it's more role dependent than about Evan Fournier himself. Um, but he really helps this team function because teams have to respect him on the three point line. Teams have to have to uh, give him and, and try and believe that he's going to make three point shots. And, and that opens so many things up for the magic Um, that. that it, it, it's, the offense works better with Evan Fournier in there. Um again, say what you want about the top end talent issues that the, this magic team has. And, and there's long-term issues, but in the short term for this team to achieve the goals that it wants to achieve, it, it needs Evan Fournier and there's just no way around it.
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, last point on this particular game. Um, Jonathan Osborne at the six man show um, has compiled a video and I, I've, I've watched it about 50 times already. So it's uh, Celine Dion with um the Cole Anthony um, buzzer-beater collaboration, um, very good. So if you can um, go and watch that, um, well worth watching. Um, the next game then was the Indiana Pacers uh, last night. I'll hand that over to Paul.
0: Yeah, I think we've uh, debated this throughout the day, haven't we, guys? Um, hard to know where 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 the fault lies. Um, it was another night and another tight magic game. Uh, missed free throws, poor execution on some open looks, and a bad call sealed fate. Um, you can. I know that. There's a feeling that the referee indecision on the in the fourth quarter, with 14 seconds to go, the inbound on Evan Fournier, which for me, he was clubbed to the floor. It was a foul. As not getting a foul call there, that did change the game, but I think that the fault lies earlier. But I'll come to that in a moment. Um, the start was fantastic. Aaron Gordon came out shooting, uh, he scored our first 11 points 11 5 lead, three threes and a two. Uh, they had to, they were forced into a quick timeout. Evan Fournier, Nikola Vucevic both hit two more threes. Uh, a 17-9 lead with inside three minutes, 30 played. Uh, the Pacers responded. They came out and they really threw a hell of a counterpunch. Um, I, I, I put it down as swarming defence, strong rebounding, active hands, good driving to the basket, sharp passing movement, and a real good accuracy on the three ball. It resulted in a 20-2 run. Um from four, we only had we had four turnovers in that first quarter, and it resulted in ten points against us. Um, second and third quarters were toe to toe battle. Both neither team were giving up on anything. Into the fourth quarter, and paces were pushing the pace. No pun intended. Um, but I, I genuinely felt that Aaron Gordon was having an outstanding game as at the point guard position. Uh, He was making some really, really good decisions with the basketball. Uh, I think, for me, it was probably his strongest game in in this role that he's been asked to play recently. Uh, With one thirty-two to play, the game was level. T-Ross had hit a three to level the score, and... Followed up with a two uh, that was a beautiful pass from Vooch. Really good interior pass. We've got a lead with 57 seconds. 14 seconds remaining, I would say that inbound pass. Yes, for me, it was a foul. The Pacers got possession and Myers-Turner gets the two and we go to overtime. The, the controversy continued, didn't it, with the... Uh, Delaying actually removing the three points from um, the Malcolm Brogdon shot. Uh, replay centre eventually coming to our aid with that one. Um, but towards we had too many botched plays uh, that resulted in the two-point loss. Uh, but as a game, I thought it was, one, really entertaining to watch and, two, as a Magic fan, really encouraging because, again, we'd fought back from 20 down. The shooting was better on the night. I um, can't remember what we'd, what we'd actually gone. Uh, bear with me. We hit. I think we hit something like forty, top end of 40%, forty percent, forty and forty odd percent. Uh, we'd gone fifteen of twenty four on the night from the free throw line, which was a telling stat. We left nine points behind. Um, yeah, there were there were good. There was good and there was bad. And I don't think it's fair to blame the referees for the result. I think that the fault lies across the team for one or two missed opportunities. Fournier shot, uh, a couple of Fournier shots. Ross missing the two free throws, which would have given us a four-point lead with 40-odd seconds to go. Uh, A couple of Aaron Gordon efforts. Vooch missed a really simple layup earlier in the game and Cole Anthony missed a couple. They were all responsible in minor ways. Nothing, nothing. You can't criticize any player who played last night, I don't think. Um, Something that's easy to overlook is how well the Pacers played on defence. Their defence was superb. Uh, They, in a game that the stats were all close on, the, they, let me get it right, they had... Nine steals, five blocks, and off of our 14 turnovers, which isn't a high number, managed to score 25 points. Their hands were so active. And to be fair, I think that is one of the stats, one of the important things that gets overlooked, that actually won the game. They were superb on defense.
3: Phil? Yeah, uh, you know, I think, I mean, I, I kind of tinted on this earlier, but I think the general theme of the week for the Magic has been them trying to figure out who they are again. Um, you know, I've, I've often kind of described how the Magic have played, especially since Markel Fultz went, went down, uh, or since actually, since Markel Fultz went down. They're kind of a team that's in preseason mode. Um, you know, you use your training camp, you use your preseason to really hammer down who you are as a team and, and what you're trying to do. And so much of the season, you know, rightly and wrongly, was built on, the, skill and the skills that Markel Fultz provides. He is great at pushing the pace. He's great at getting in the lane and kicking out to shooters. He's great at running that pick and roll with, with Nikola Vucevic. So much of, of this team's identity was wrapped up in him. And, and you saw early in the season how well the Magic played. I mean, they were ahead of the curve. They were they, they seemed like better than a lot of teams as far as their progression to what they'd ultimately become and and, and, as, and as they get better throughout the course of the season. So when Markel Fultz went down, it really felt like this magic team had to figure out how to play again, and, and I think what we saw, what we've seen during this road trip, especially, uh, and what we saw during this week, is this team begin to make little, little baby steps in progress toward doing that. Um, you know, when I look, when I think back at, at at last at Friday's game against the Pacers, the difference to me is, like you said, the Pacers are really good at forcing turnovers and scoring off those turnovers. They they they're really efficient scoring off turnovers. They're really good at kind of that pick and roll play that Malcolm Brogdon and DeMontis Sabonis ran repeatedly over and over again uh, in, in the fourth quarter and overtime that, that kind of helped them stay in the game and then eventually uh, take take the lead and, and win the game. The Magic aren't quite there yet. Um, you know, when you get late in games, you have to really rely on what you do best. Um, and right now, you know, the Pacers are a team. They've been together for a long time. Um, you know, they, they are very comfortable with who they are. I mean, you know, we talk about the Magic – having the confidence and the ability to rally back. And and I think a lot of that is the playoff experience that they've gotten the last two years. This Pacers team has it just a step above them. You know, I I know Evan Fournier has said like pretty much every time the magic faced the Pacers over the last two years, the Pacers are kind of the team that we want to be right now. Um, You know, we want to be a team that's consistently in the playoffs. It's good no matter who's out, who's in the game. um, And just has a very set identity. I mean, even with a new coach, the Pacers know exactly who they are and what they're good at. And they execute that really, really well. And so when you get in late, when you get late in games, especially that's when you really have to lean on it. And, you know, I, I thought the magic's late game execution, both in regulation and, and in overtime was not particularly good. I mean, they were able to get some shots. They're able to get things going, but it was a lot of kind of stagnant plays. I mean, uh, th- my, my basketball philosophy is the last two minutes of the game shouldn't be any different than the first 46 minutes of the game. And, and I feel like way too often in the NBA, We see the last two minutes of games devolve into like straight pick and rolls and isolation sets. And those are really inefficient, especially for a Magic team like this. I feel like I feel I felt like Steve Clifford kind of abandoned his offense a little bit. Not that the Evan Forney, Nikola Vucevic pick and roll wasn't working, but Indiana made some really nice adjustments on it. Uh, and, and the Magic's offense just got stuck way too often late in, late in that game. And so I think there was a little bit of tactical error made by, by, by Steve Clifford. Um, again, Evan Forney, Nikola Vucic, those are your two best, two best players and, and, and guys that you trust to make good decisions. But Aaron Gordon was having a really good game. I, I almost would have rather seen him be the initiator on a pick-and-roll set, find Evan Forney on the wing, and then set up a secondary pick-and-roll that way. Just, just be a little bit more creative uh, almost. Um, But a lot of that's just experience. Do you trust Aaron Gordon to run the point with two minutes left to play? Do you trust him to run a pick and roll? And while he's shown incredible progress and had a great stretch there in the third and fourth quarters, especially the magic have also struggled a lot with him as the main initiator. Um, You know, he struggled. He was, he was the point guard essentially when the magic had the 10 point second quarter at the start of that 24 to one run in Minnesota he really struggled in the second quarter of this game on Friday um, to kind of get the magic into their sets. And they'd often sometimes get into their sets, not with like 12, 10 seconds left on the shot clock, which isn't enough time to do anything. So I I think, I think, you know, the optimist in me says the magic made some real progress. Um, You know, this was a game that, you know, you feel disappointed that you lost this game because it's a game you should have won. It's a game that both teams felt like they should have won. You know, again, if Evan Fournier's shot goes in, that shot that went like halfway in, which I didn't think was a great shot, but it's a shot that he can make and, and clearly almost went in. Um, if that shot goes in, the Magic are up five in overtime, we're ta- we're having a completely different conversation right now. That's that's the reality of basketball is it's about making and missing shots. Um, but I, I I am still optimistic now. I, I, I'm always optimistic, but I'm, I'm more hopeful that this team is closer to figuring things out. This would have been a really, really nice win. You can't get this back. And, th- and that's something that's, we're, we're probably going to look back at the end of the season and say, this is the stretch of games where, where, you know, we lost some ground that we needed to gain. Um, but, you know, this was also the end of the most difficult part of the schedule. So, you know, I'm, I'm optimistic that the team is figuring some things out and, you know, looking ahead at what the magic have before them, you know, I, I, I think that the team is, is in a better spot and to handle it and to, and to make their run.
2: Absolutely. Mikey. Yeah. I think Phil made some great points about the magic having to rediscover themselves uh, since faults has gone. I think, the one that's been a couple of keys this week, really, for me. Aaron Gordon's obviously one of them. He had the triple double against New York, even though just offensively we didn't have a great game. Um, he nearly had a triple double on Wednesday against the Timberwolves. I think he was one rebound and a couple of assists shy. And last night, exactly the same again. So he's doing, he's been, there's a lot being asked of
3: Aaron Gordon at the moment. Um, and I think he, and and he's I, defending the best guy on the other team. Like I mean, precisely. we didn't talk about it. His defense on Julius Randle Monday night was incredible. Um, yeah. He had that huge block against D'Angelo Russell with 30 seconds left uh, against Minnesota on Wednesday. Like he is he is playing he is playing really really well. I mean, Mont- I, I, he had the main assignment on Demontis Sabonis on Friday and i know sabonis got close to a triple double but he only had like what 11 12 13 points something like that yeah. um gordon gordon is putting in some work defensively and defensively right now yeah
2: and and i think his competitiveness is, is keeping us in games and i think cole's starting to look a little bit more comfortable out there um he's obviously playing off the ball a little bit more at times especially when when gordon's on the floor but um and he's a really good rebounder cole i think that, that last night i think he had a couple of big rebounds down the stretch that sort of um, that, that gave us gave us opportunity. I know earlier on, me and G were uh, hotly debating in our in our WhatsApp group about was it the referees, was it our execution? And I was like, Phil said the execution point of view. Um, I
0: actually came close to thinking that we you two wouldn't be sitting talking. on this podcast to get <laughs> to tonight. <laughs> it got that heated.
2: <laughs> and, and the points I made was uh, Terence Ross. Um, Had the chance to give us a two possession lead with 44 seconds to go when uh, AG had that great uh, outbounds pass down the court, um, which could have been called um, a, what do you call it? That's a clear path foul. Um, But he missed one of those um, and that sort of kept them in there. Phil's already said it, and I, I actually we actually talked about this. I thought Fournier didn't need to force that three over Miles' turnover, seventeen seconds to go. I thought you don't need a three at that point when you're up by one. You just need a bucket. Um, so yeah, same sort of thing. Uh, we all know that it should have been a foul on Fournier out of bounds. It wasn't given, but we still had our opportunities to take that win. Um, for me, that's on the magic. That's not the referees. Um, but yeah, that's the way it goes this is where I was saying about the,
0: there's, I don't think there's this one single person that's responsible. There was a series of players who made some poor choices on shots. um, And those are the examples
2: of, and it's a bit like the Timberwolves game on Wednesday. There was a lot of things there that had to go wrong. I think Ross got a sixth foul. Cole checked in, made the three to to cut the lead down to two. Um, So it's like, it's like Wednesday. Jared Jared Vanderbilt
3: missed two free throws that set up Anthony's game winning shot. Exactly.
2: So, it's the reverse
0: isn't it of what happened last night we missed the yeah. free throw and they took the win but coming back to last night one thing i think that um really benefited cole uh, anthony was playing an annoying guy like tj mcconnell T. J., yeah. he got he, he he gave him so much stress and he and he learned a lot last night in how to play An annoying player who does not give you any space. I'm not sure he's come up against anybody quite like that this season so far. And I think it was a good learning curve for him. TJ,
2: TJ, G's favourite player.
1: Don't like that guy. (laughs) And um, just another point on Vanderbilt. um, When he got fouled, had he outletted it, there was a player just a little bit further up the court. That would have iced the game. Even if he just pushed the ball further on instead of holding it on um, and taking the free throw. Anyway, so we move on. Uh, What was our predictions last week, boys? I think I said two and one.
0: We all said two one. Yeah. We all said we'd win two and one.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, we were close. So, um, anyway, let's uh, talk more to our guest, Philip. Um, As I've mentioned before, he's the uh, site expert and editor at Orlando Magic Daily, host of Locked On Magic, uh, and part of the Magic Media Scrum. So, we've got a few questions for you, Phil, if you'd be so kind. Absolutely. Um, First of all, for me, I know you're a Fulham fan. So can you tell us how did that come about?
3: Um, So being, being an American, um, uh, my favorite, when I first started kind of watching soccer and getting into soccer a little bit more, my favorite player was Clint Dempsey. Um, I just, I just really liked his tenacity and, you know, during the 06 World Cup when he was really coming up and you know, he just, he's just a really tenacious player. And you know, I looked at who he played for and he played for Fulham and I was like, okay, that's, you know, not, you know, I'm, I'm a little, I'm always a little bit offbeat. Um, you know, I'm a glutton for punishment. Um, I cheer for the magic after all. Uh, and, and I, you know, I was looking into it and it's like, okay, you know, they got Dempsey, you know, they got Brian McBride, who's another American player. I mean, it was just the tail end of the full American days. Um, and, you know, I was starting to read a little bit more about their history and kind of their, their fan culture and I was like, you know, they're a team that you know beats you know the, the fifth place team in the in the league, but loses to the twentieth place team. And I'm like, oh my god, this is the two thousands magic. I, I love this. I love this. I, I'm I'm so used to this. Um, and so uh, that's kind of how I came into to being a Fulham fan. I mean, I definitely hit them at a good time. They were they were in the Premier League at the time. You know, when I was in college, they made the the run at Europa at Europa League. Um, and is you know it it just it became an offbeat team to cheer for. I mean, like I had friends who were Man U fans, I had friends who were Chelsea fans, Now I even had a few friends who were Tottenham Tottenham fans um you know before they got really really good. Um and so it just seemed like this was like my little corner where you know like I'm not I'm I'm to start following, you know, international soccer a little bit, but I'm not going to cheer for the teams that are the front runners. I want to I want to get on get in on the ground floor a little bit and you know we're we're still in the basement a little bit, but um it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a good way to stay, stay connected. And, and obviously there's some Florida connections. Now I, I do have a, a visit Florida Fulham, Jersey, which I, which I wear proudly when, when I can. Um, and, you know, we've had some, some good victories in the championship and we're just hoping to stay up this year.
1: Absolutely. And we, we were talking in the, in the summer last year, weren't we? Cause um, my hometown team, Cardiff city yeah. faced Fulham in the playoffs. So yep. um, yeah, we made you work for it in the end
3: that's all that's all we ask for i mean we we usually we usually make ourselves work for it too i mean it's very i mean i i don't know how familiar you are but there's this this term called fulhamish which is very much you know lead or t- tied the entire game and then give up the game winning or game time goal in the last 10 minutes of play because that, that would be very fulhamish of us
1: oh yeah I'm very cardiffish as well <laughs> <laughs> um so um, how did you get into journalism and covering the magic then
3: um, you know, the, the, the story of jur- my journalism is, is a long one. I mean, I think I was bored one summer, you know, watching the WNBA of all things. I think it was the WNBA's first season. And I just started kind of writing recaps of what I was seeing on SportsCenter. Um, that's kind of when I, when I really started getting into writing and, you know, I had some teachers who really encouraged my writing that said, you know, an elementary school that said, um, you know, you're you're a really good writer and so that kind of stuck with me and you know I'd come home from magic games when I was young when I was in like in high school and in middle school uh, and start rewriting recaps of games and so I got into newspaper from there at school I went to journalism school um, and college uh, and you know kind of fell out of journalism but I was still just always involved with the magic like I still wanted to write and talk about the magic I'm not you know at, at the beginnings of me is is very much just a passionate magic fan you know my I think this was one of your questions later, but it's all tied up together. But um, you know, my my parents were season ticket holders growing up, so I was always at games. Um, you know, like literally, I'd get home from school, get all my homework done as much as I could before about six o'clock, um, and then I'd come back. You know, my school was downtown, I'd live away from downtown, I'd go go away and come back and, and go go to a magic game. And especially once I had a car, my own car, it was literally just me. Just I wanted to be at games. I wanted to watch this watch this team play, no matter how terrible they were. Um, and so I started writing about them and I got, um, you know, I started kind of my own offshoot blog, just to kind of just just get my thoughts down on papers as blogging was becoming like a real kind of organized thing. Um, and then uh, Zach McCann, who was the original, original editor of Orlando Magic Daily uh, on the True Hoop Network back when it was affiliated with ESPN, you know, you know, we knew each other from a program that I did with the Orlando Sentinel um, and he tapped me to say, hey, Um, you know, I, would love some help with this. You know, I know you're a good writer and you're passionate about the team. Do you want to help out? And from there, I just kind of took over, um, you know, he got a real job, um, and, and couldn't do it. And so I took over from there. Um, you know, I had some, some, you know, as, as I was getting involved in the blogger community, they said, Hey, you know, you have a credit, you know, they have a seat for you here if you ever wanted to, wanted to go. And so I got in touch with the magic at that point, they've always been very good at credentialing, um, kind of non-traditional media. Um, you know they they vet you for sure. They make sure you're you're on the up and up. But um, they you know they 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 welcome me and I was able to kind of I guess live out a little bit of a dream covering the team and and add that to whatever I was writing anyway. So um, you know I I feel like with my writing you know I am trained as a journalist. You know I still work in media as a as a TV producer here in in Orlando um, as my day job. Um, but, you know, I, I feel like I, I come to this from the perspective of a fan, of someone who's passionate about the team, but I, I write and I, and I, re- and I report and I, and I cover the team as someone with a journalism background and, and hopefully can give that, the weight of seriousness to something that I think we're all very passionate about.
1: Brilliant. Um, I think Paul's got the next one. Yeah, it
3: relates to
0: uh, the, the media work, obviously. It, just to come back onto your previous point, it shows the importance of a teacher and how the how teaching can genuinely motivate somebody to a lifestyle uh it can be such a positive impact it's a great story um yeah the question is with relate in relation to the to the media and uh game days at the amway what does a game day look like for you uh both writing for the uh orlando magic daily and then with the podcast as well
3: yeah, in in the before times, um, you know, we usually get to the arena around like four thirty, so about two and a half hours before tip off. Um, you know, we'll the we'll, you know wait for you know Steve Clifford will, will talk at five fifty, you know, like, like five fifteen. The opposing coach will talk at like five thirty, um, and then you know it's it's a it's a lot of networking. You know, I think I think just being being in the building. Um, you know, you get the chance to be around other media members and, and see what they're thinking and see what they're saying about their team and, and get to know them a little bit. Um, you, you're around NBA personnel. Um, you know, I, I do know a couple of the Magic's, you know, kind of personnel um, decently well and, and, can, and you can chat with them about some things. And, you know, I have some connections around the league as well um, that, you know, I, I asked them about about some things. They asked me about some things about the team. And so you just get a bet, you, you get a better understanding of of at least before, before games, um, how teams operate, um, you know, obviously, obviously we all watch the game, um, you know, from wherever we're from wherever we're seated. And then, you know, we do the post game stuff and, you know, usually we're done with post game stuff around for a seven o'clock game, probably around like 10, 10, 15. And then from there, it's just, you know, deadline rush writing, you know, you're trying to get everything done as quickly as you can. Um, you know, I'm, I'm someone that tends to stay up much later than I should um, to, to get all this stuff done. So like, you know i'll usually be on a typical game day before you know before covid um i'd be home maybe around 11:30 to midnight and then i'm you know editing whatever i had to finish up and then recording a podcast after that and trying to find some time to just kind of decompress a little bit because it is it is a full day you know, like covering a game is is a full day um you know uh, for for the reality of it um covid times has been a little bit different obviously you know you don't have the on the floor interaction. You know, I, I have been able to go to a few of the home games um, this season and it's, you know, again, I think the magic have, as far as I can tell, you know, at least from the media side, I, I, I think they've created a very safe environment. Um, you know, I don't interact, you know, we, people in the media don't interact with anyone else. We're all pretty socially distanced and there's not a ton of us uh, up there anyway. Um, it's, it's still a little weird, um, but you know, it's, you know, being on a zoom call while you're still in the arena. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's still, it's so good to be in the atmosphere, but it's, it's definitely very, very different. Um, and obviously the, the access is different, which, you know, it's completely understandable at this point. So it's, you know, it's, it's a lot, it's, it's a lot of work, but it's, it's, you know, it's, you're, you're, you're watching basketball and, and getting paid a little bit to do it. So I, I don't complain too much about it.
0: Absolutely. My friend. And then obviously as a fan, um, we'll do it both ways. Standout moments of, that you you know actually covering the team, but also as a fan when you've been as a paying guest at the game at the game.
3: Yeah, I've I've seen a lot of good magic moments. Um, you know, kind of covering covering the team. Probably the most standout standout moment. You know, the playoffs, obviously. Um, you know, I had a lot of my buddies. You know, because I kind of jumped in, started covering the team. You know, actually being present as media at games. Uh, in 2011, I want to say. Um, so it was like right in the Dwight mare, like I was literally like the first, the first time I stepped in that locker room, you know, the Dwight mare was, was really starting to pick up or, you know, it was, it was, was very much a, very much a thing. And, you know, I remember we were talking with, um, with Jared Wade, who was writing for uh, 8.9 seconds, which is an Indiana Pacers blog um, during, after game three of the, of the playoffs that year. And we all just told him, like, yeah, you know, Stan Van Gun, he's gonna get fired. Otis Smith is gonna get fired. And and like he left us with like, well, enjoy your firings. And and like that was that was that was, you know, kind of my introduction to, to being a member of the media. But no, but like going through, you know, so like essentially I've covered the team during the worst stretch of magic basketball history. So it's probably my fault. Um, so so getting getting back to the playoffs and experiencing the playoffs uh, you know, again was and, and seeing just how hard it is to get there um, was really huge. I mean, I would say, you know, being a media member and, 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 you know, like I don't hide that I'm a fan. Like I I don't, I I don't hide that, you know, I, I want the magic to do well. I'm a magic fan. I wouldn't be writing about the magic as obsessively as I do. If I'm, if I wasn't a fan, you know, I can put that fandom away to, to write about the team and be a reporter too. But, you know, you know, like I'll, I'll admit this when Cole Anthony hit that shot, like I threw my hat across the across the room. Like I was, I was, I was excited. Um, you know, like there was a, there's a game we were all covering the the game where Tobias Harris hit the dunk to beat the Oklahoma city thunder. Like the, the three of us, like going down the elevator were all just, you know, like, you know, like screaming like, Holy S yes, Holy S yes. like, as like, we, we couldn't believe what we'd just seen. And, and it was obviously felt like a very, very big moment. So, you know, I, I don't hide that I'm a fan. I can definitely put that away and you put some of the emotion away to, to cover the team and ask questions and write about them, you know, kind of dispassionately. But I I hope that, you know, that, that, that passion still comes through with, you know, the, the attention to the attention I give this team, the attention to detail I give, I give this team, you know, I, I was I was at you know I was too young to really remember all the details of it but I was at I know I was at Game One of the '95 Finals like I I, re, I remember going to see Shaq play not really understanding what I was seeing but seeing Shaq play I was at you know as a season ticket holder I was at T Mac sixty two point game um which you know watching T Mac every night was one of the most incredible things in the world and I learned a lot of I learned, I learned a lot about basketball watching that but you know the one thing that has changed about me and my fandom since becoming a reporter. Is you get to know the players a lot better. Um, you get to get to really see and understand the work that they put in and, and the day to day that they go through, um, and, and you gain a lot more appreciation for them. You know, and I think you know I've made mistakes with my reporting where I was maybe a little harder on players than I should have been because I just I just didn't understand things. You know, like if I if I could take back some of the things that I wrote about, like Tobias Harris, for instance, I, I definitely would. I think I was a little overly critical on him. You know, even Victor Oladipo, I think there are some 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 things that I probably got wrong about him that. That, you know, I didn't quite understand because, you know, some of it might have been I wasn't I wasn't ready to, to, to say that, you know, the team, the team messed up, um, which which I think they did. So I, I think I think I've become a lot more of a fan of the players. Um, you know, I'm still a fan of the team. Don't get me wrong. Like, you know, I still think like this is what the team needs to do. And it's unfortunate that this has to happen. But, um, you know, I think I respect the players a lot more and, and, and you, you, you kind of see their humanity a little bit more, which is very easy to do when you're just kind of watching them on TV to, to forget um, you see you see them as people a lot more when you're around them a lot more, and I'm, I'm very happy to have had that experience.
0: Yeah. Gene, awesome. what, what was your stand-up moment that you've been at?
1: For me? What, in-game or just all-time? Yeah, oh, my gosh. In-game. I can't think off the top of my head. But my all-time favourite moment is when Nick Anderson hit the three against the LA Lakers in 1997 against uh, Shaq's return. That was my first ever game, and, you know, I'm not going to lie, I don't like Shaq because of, you know, him leaving. Um, so to have Nick and Penny, um, Horace Grant, all the guys that he left, beat Shaq on his return um, in that atmosphere, you know, I watched on the television, um, was just fantastic. Um, so, yeah, it's that for me.
0: Right. Mikey, what about you, in the, actually in the arena?
2: Um, oh, yeah. That's a good question. Uh, me and Becky have been to some, there's a, I think I've told this story before about me and Becky going to watch the Magic and the Heat at the Amway Centre and uh, we booked taxis after the games. This isn't a good ending, but it's a memorable one that what, Becky will never forget. And uh, the Magic, I think, were leading by about seven. This is when Depot was playing for them. And uh, we had like nearly an hour to wait for our taxi was was going to pick us up and Becky turns around to me and goes, Oh, we've got ages to wait for this before we have to go get picked up and the Magic are about to finish the game. Anyway, uh, the Magic turned the ball over. Miami (laughs) tied the game up. It went to overtime and Orlando lost. And I turned around to her and said, don't ever, ever say that again. (laughs) (laughs) But um, yeah, so that was memorable, but not my favourite. I have to say, um, I don't know what Phil's opinion is on this, but the playoff trip that we all went to in, in 2019, that arena in game three, was probably the loudest atmosphere I've been to at a Magic game, and it was just—you guys know—I didn't have a voice the next day. I couldn't even talk to my wife on the phone. It was ruined. Um, was that the loudest you've
3: heard the the Amway Phil? That that is the loudest I've heard the Amway Center for a Magic game for sure. Um, you know that that felt like a long time coming. Like that uh, this this I mean this city this city will get behind you if you're winning. Um, you know, I think there's, there's no doubt about that. Um, and that this city has been waiting a long time for the magic to be back. Um, you know, I think, I think a lot of, you know, like we, we talked a little bit earlier about kind of the Twitter conversations we were having, you know, I, I think a lot of what we're talking about on Twitter with a lot of people is, is all coming from a really, really good place. People want to see this team do well and want to see this team take that next step and, and getting to the playoffs, just being back and relevant was such a big deal for, for so many people and for this fan base and, yeah, no, that's that is the loudest I've ever heard that building for a Magic game. Like it was just seven years of pent up frustration, just kind of being released. And you know, the Magic played really, really well in that game. You know, you know, again, I know the Raptors won the game, but it was tight throughout the whole game. Um, the Magic really had the Magic had their chance, had their chances, and, and did a lot of really good things in that game. And you know, un- un- for, you know, I-, I I know players said after the season ended, like the most disappointing part of that season, which was such a big breakthrough season for them most disappointing part of that season was they couldn't get a playoff win for, for the home fans. And, you know, I, you know, I know, I I know, especially like Vooch, Evan and Aaron, like that's, that's something they desperately want. They want, they want to be able to win on their floor in front of the fans for, for sticking with them for as long as they have. That's
1: cool. Yeah. Um, Going back to your question, Paul, I've had a think, um, I probably got two moments. Um, so one was in 2007. I think it was game five, um, at the old arena or the TD Waterhouse center, as it was at that time. um, what was it the Amway arena? I can't remember. It's changed so many times. doesn't you it? You can call it the Orlando
3: arena. That's, that's what it's called. in Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: yeah. We played the Toronto Raptors and it was the first playoff series, uh, win in a very long time. It was game five, um, against the Raptors before we then bowed out to the Detroit Pistons. Um, it was either that, or I think I went on a trip in 2013, 14, um, and it was a game against the, the then, I think it was the Charlotte Bobcats, and Aaron Aflalo hit a three to force overtime. Now, given it's a regular season game, but, you know, you're in the lower bowl, uh, he hits a three, you know, everyone's on their feet, um, and then we go on and win in overtime. Uh, it's just a magical feeling, isn't it? Right,
0: that's, where, that's where, for me, um, it kind of ties in with the Cole Anthony thing this week. The the Buzzerby to finish. I've I've been fortunate enough to be in the Amway for two of those. The Vooch three against the Lakers in 2015, uh, which was brilliant because where we were sat, we were surrounded by Lakers fans. So that was a superb moment to jump up and give it some real celebration. Um but I was also fortunate enough to be courtside uh 2018 for the Evan Fournier two against the Cavs. Uh, And that was... that We'd we'd had a good lead. We'd lost the lead. Uh, It had been close all the way through. The... One of the most important moments of the game was a very, very late block by Vooch, which I think there's some footage somewhere of me jumping up and celebrating it like we have won the the whole thing. Um, And then for Evan to go down the other end and... Sync that too. Oh, it was just brilliant, great atmosphere to be in. But atmosphere-wise, yeah, game three of the playoffs, that was incredible. And then, obviously, yeah. a couple of th- things that you just don't get very often, uh, the opportunity to meet T-Mac at uh, his inauguration at the Magic Hall of Fame it was a thrill to be invited along to represent ourselves whilst we were there. And then, obviously, my one of my first experiences with the Magic, in 2015, was being stood uh, on the high five line and being introduced to the Amway crowd. And um, that was just a surreal moment. Super, really excellent. Some, There's some things you can't put price on, but that game-winning Evan two-pointer against the Cavs was very special, being sat courtside to, to witness it. That, that's probably where I would go.
2: Yeah. While we're at it, I'm going to throw one more in there. So uh, my first trip, um, when uh, first trip on my own with that family, was in 20, 2012, I think it was. When was the first season of the Amway Center opening? Uh, you know, right. 10. 10, 2010 yeah, 2010, uh, 2011. 10, 10, uh, my f- 10. Yeah, my first game was against was uh, was against the Lakers, Kobe, and Andrew Bynum, Paul Gasol, um, and that was really the season when it all started unraveling when they traded for Gilbert Arenas, and there was. I remember there was a famous out-of-play bounds in the fourth quarter, I think it was, and Arenas threw an alley-oop at the end of the third quarter for a Dwight dunk, and his foot was out-of-bounds, but it was the time where they couldn't review it. Um, The Magic went on to win that, but I remember I had my blue face paint on, wig, Mm -hmm. decking it all out. It was funny. Um, So that was quite a cool trip. Um, Yeah, anyway, moving on. Um, It sort of ties into one of my questions for Phil. Um, So obviously you grew up as a Magic fan, I listen to your podcast quite a lot so I, I believe probably your fondest memories of the magic are in what the early 2000s the t-mac era
3: oh yeah that's probably like the the most in the era that i like became conscious of basketball like i understood what i was watching so you know I, you know i think i think we're all a lot of us you know we are most fond of the areas that we grow grew up in like t-mac was t-mac is my yeah. guy
2: likewise likewise um and between the two arenas, this isn't something that gets debated very often. Which arena did you prefer, the O Arena, or the new Amway Arena,
3: which is all glitz and glamour I mean, and shine as, and everything else? As as a fan, the the O Arena was the best. Um, you know, I, I I I don't think the Amway Center is ever going to recreate kind of the buzz um, that you felt walking into the Orlando Arena. Um, you know, you just St- sticky floors, still. The sticky uh, the sticky floors were part of it, man. I love the sticky floors. I miss those sticky floors. Um, it like the the, the building was just always like for big games, especially, it was just always so electric. Um, you know, again, and, and I think that I mean that's all that feels like it's the case for any major game, but you know, when that building was full, like I remember going there in in the 90s, um, you know, at like 95, you know, 96, even into 97 when Penny was 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 in his tail end there. Um you you and you were going in there for a big game you knew it was going to be loud you knew like everything was going to be about the basketball um, at the end of the day you know i i love the amway center i think it is it is a great building you know it's a modern building but that building is not built to trap noise in um that that building has so many different things to distract you from watching the game and you know and i'm i'm you know i like going to stadiums but i like watching games too um and it's not like the game watching experience is bad at the amway center i think they do a great job with, with it um, but it's it's not the same as the arena. I mean that that building that building it felt like you were there to go to work, and that work was to to go watch a game and cheer your team on. Um, and and it got so loud in that building. Like again, I, I you know I don't think anything will ever compare to what the atmosphere was like at a '90s Magic game. Um, you know, from Paul Porter at his at his best um, on the PA to even the sound effects they did were just like. You know, I was, I I was, I was like, watch a few years ago, I was watching an old magic game and there's just like some sound effects cues that they, that they put in, that they put in there that you could hear over the broadcast. And I was like, man, I forgot the magic used to do that. I forgot the magic used to be just like the worst team at like making fun of all your mistakes and just like emphasizing like you, you just messed up or like, you know, when Dennis Scott hits a big shot and and Paul Porter yells three D like the, like the, 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 Voice is so booming uh, across that stadium, and like the crowd was just so into it. Um, you know, I, I, I really wish that every Magic fan got to experience that game at like a full, like full throated Orlando Arena. Um, that that is that is I, I think so. That was just so, so very very special. I mean, again, you're you're not going there to get a pizza. You're not, you know. Although I did every time. Um, you're not going there to like be in the concourse or go to a bar or anything like that. And I mean, that's what modern arenas ask of us, you know, now um, uh, you're there to watch a basketball game. And and I, and I think that element's missing. I, I get why that's the direction things went, um, you know, it, revenue is what revenue is. And that building was not built to generate revenue. Um, but it it, it it was it was a very, very special place. Now, from the media perspective, I heard it was terrible. So I, I don't think I, I'd complain about, I, I'd complain about being in the Amway Center on the media side, but um it, the orlando arena was, was really really special place
2: i was i was lucky to only go to one game it's 2002 um it's one of the last games of the season with with t-mac and um from what i remember every the fans were on top of them weren't they that everybody was so close to the court every, it was a very conf- confined yep. arena um like i said it was built to hold noise whereas the amway center's not not it's a lot more open isn't it um so in those early 2000s, in that teamac era, I think you've already given it, given it away earlier. Um, but what's your favorite Mac moment that you remember going to a game at? Was it the 62 point or was it?
3: You know, it it wasn't, I don't think it was a 62 point game. Like that one obviously like stands out. You know, I, the thing that I remember most about the teamac era, um, it's not so much just a specific game. It's just this feeling that Mac is just going to do whatever he wants to do. Um, you know, like it was just, you know, the, the, the biggest thing that I remember about T-Mac was just him, you know, kind of high-stepping up the court and literally felt like he was just gliding. Um, and you knew he was going to pull up for three and you knew it was going to be a bad shot and you're just like, it's, it's going to go in anyway. There's just nothing you can do. Um, the, 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 the fact that you could go to a game with Tracy McGrady and feel like you always had a chance to win. Um, you know, the, 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 old, the, the saying goes for playoff series, that, you know, if you have the best player in the series, you have a chance to win. And in very, like, except in very limited, and this is what's painful about that era is the Magic had one of the five best players in the league at the time. They, you know, they took that 3-1 lead on the Pistons because Tracy McGrady was going to win those games. Um, you know, like, uh, I, I think probably the, the, the best team act game that I ever went to was um, game three of the 2001 playoffs against the Bucs. Um, you know, a, the magic and the Bucks had this like mini rivalry because George Carl hated that Doc Rivers got that job. He felt like one of the assistants should have got hit, gotten that job and said so publicly. And so magic fans hated George Carl because Doc Rivers turned out to be a pretty good coach. I mean that seemed to be that turned out to be a good decision. Um, and, and the Bucks had won like eight straight over the magic, and T-Mac would not let the magic lose that game at home. Um, it went into overtime. He had like I think 35, 36, 37 points, like nine rebounds, seven assists. It was just, a tour de force. And that, I mean, that game was, that game was just a battle. It was a brawl, um, as, as games were back then. Um, and so I I think like the overall feeling in the T Mac era was this guy can do something special every single night. Um, and, and, and that feeling that, you know, I'm going to watch probably, you know, there will probably never be a better score in magic history than Tracy McGrady. I think I can say that, you know, fairly confidently. Um, the fact that you could go to a game and he could just drop 30 without blinking um, and just do it in the most amazing, you know, kind of the most amazing ways um, was, was really, really special. And, and I know like the team wasn't great. The magic didn't do a good job putting a good team around him. And it was disappointing to see how empty the stadium was. Cause I was like, we're watching one of the five best players in, in the world at this sport. Like, this, this is must-see every single night. You don't know what he's going to do every single night. You know it's going to be brilliant, but you, but you don't know what he's going to do. And, and that's, that's, that, that's what really kind of makes you fall in love with the game because, you know, you can get into the X's and O's. You can get into the Y's of, of how the NBA works. But at the end of the day, what wins games, like in the playoffs and in games that matters, is frankly a lot of individual brilliance. And, you know, a guy like T-Mac, individual brilliance was just – his individual brilliance was just incredible.
1: We did get very unlucky though with um, you know Grant Hill and his injury, didn't we? Because there was a lot of money tied up in him. Um, and that Milwaukee series, that was a series that he and Glenn Puppy Dog Robinson were barking at each other, wasn't it? Yep. Yes, it was. Yeah. yeah. Uh, justice, justice
3: for D, justice for D Brown. He was uh, in yeah. Game Three. There's a little. There's like a scrum on, along the sideline. D Brown was was getting ready to check in, and so he steps onto the court to check into the game. And the NBA decides that that he stepped onto the court during a fight, which is an automatic one-game suspension. And so D. Brown, who was a really important player for the team at the time, was suspended for Game Four. And you know, again, best of five series, like that's huge. And the Magic had a chance to tie that series up at two to a piece and send it back to Milwaukee for Game Five. And instead, they get eliminated on their home floor. You know, I'm not saying the Magic would have won the game with D. Brown, but D. Brown deserved to be on that court. So ju- I, 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 I still want justice for him. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: absolutely right um, so we record our next episode on the th- next Saturday the 30th of January um, so we'll just look ahead to the week ahead we have four fixtures uh, starting this Sunday in a game that's been moved to a 1am tip for us 8 Eastern against the Hornets uh, then we've got the Hornets again on a back to back Um, Wednesday we face the Sacramento Kings and Friday we finish up the week with the LA Clippers uh, at the Amway, all home games so uh, just have a little quick preview of all of these Uh, Paul with the Hornets
0: Yep Are they underachieving on what people expected? Um, I think a lot of people expect them to be better than they are position wise at the moment 13th in the East 6-9 record uh they've won 3 of 8 games on the road they're on a four game losing stretch uh in the last 10 games they've gone 4 and 6 20th in the nba for offense 12th for defense uh which are both better than orlando's stats position wise last game out they lost to the bulls 123 to 110 Started with Terry Razier, Devonte Graham, Gordon Hayward, PJ Washington, and uh, Bismarck Biombo. Second unit comprises of Miles Bridges, Caleb Martin, Lamello Ball, Cody Zeller. Uh, and then they've also got uh, Jalen McDaniels and Malik Monk who can feature. So really, they've got some depth. They've got some decent players there. Uh, they have absolutely no injury concerns, according to ESPN. They're shooting 44.8% from the field, which is 2% better than Orlando, and 358 from beyond the arc, which is 3% better. They do foul and turn the ball over at a higher rate than us, but they do have very, very active hands on the defensive end, uh, rating very highly for blocks and steals. We've won the last four encounters, uh, and obviously we met pre-season where we split it one and one will need to work against Razier, Graham and Hayward um, to to get a win. But Vooch, I know his figures don't actually stand up as being a team he plays brilliantly against, but he's got a chance of doing something really, really big against Charlotte in these two games. Uh, I know that Steve Clifford's on record as saying it's difficult to beat two, uh, the same team on a back-to-back. So we'll see. But I think we've got a good chance in this one especially if we can bring the intensity that we brought against Indiana to this, to these fixtures.
1: Cool. Thank you for that. So that's two games against the Hornets. Um, So the next game then after that is on Wednesday night uh, for us against the Sacramento Kings. Now the Sacramento Kings are actually off until that time because they've got two games uh, with Memphis that was scheduled for Monday, Tuesday, uh, that'd be postponed due to COVID protocols. Um, so looking at the Kings, they sit at six and ten, good for twelfth in the West. They're coming off a 103-94 win against the New York Knicks last night. Uh De'Aaron Fox, 22.7 assists. Harrison Barnes flirted with the triple-double, 21-8 and 7. Um, other notables, Tyrese Halliburton, 16 and 5. Uh, he was of course drafted twelfth and is from looking at what the Sacramento Kings fans are saying, uh, they, they seem to think he's been the steal of the draft. Um, we could have something to say about that with Cole Anthony. Um, previous four games before that, so they lost the previous 4 115 uh, 96 to the Clippers, one, to eight, one 2 three to the Pelicans, um, and then two more losses again to the Clippers and the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, their starting five consists of De'Aaron Fox, Buddy Heald, Harrison Barnes, Marvin Bagley, and Rashawn Holmes. However, they may have Hassan Whiteside back, um, who is listed as day-to-day with a hip injury. Um, other people off the bench, Halliburton has men- mentioned, Bealitzer, Glenn Robinson the third. So that's Puppy Dog's son and Corey Joseph. Um, other injuries, like I've said, Whiteside, Bealitza, Biel- uh, and Dequan Jeffries and Jaheemis Ramsey are out. Um, so Bearing in mind they've got a lot of time before um, our game on Wednesday night, um, you'll expect them to come in fresh. Um, so we'll have to be on our game um, if we're going to get the W. Um, rounding the week off then is the LA Clippers. Mikey?
2: Yeah, Friday night, tip-off at 1am for us over here. Uh, probably the hardest game of the week against one of the, t- the hottest teams in the NBA. They're 12-4, and 4, tied first in the NBA with the Lakers. Uh, They're on a six-game winning streak. They're coming off a 120 to 106 win last night against the Thunder. Uh, They're sixth in points per game, first in three-point percentage. Um, They're allowing the second-fewest second-chance points um, on the defensive end, and they're fifth in defending uh, points in the paint as well. So um, that's, that's going to be a difficult one. Um, The Clippers have won 13 straight against us, so we're going to have to have a cracking game to try and break that streak, which needs to come to an end sooner rather than later. Um, The last win against the Clippers was on the 6th of November 2013, and Vooch that night had 30 and 21. So I'm expecting something similar from Vooch again if we're going to have a chance to win that one. Yeah. Although, does that take
0: time for that run to finish?
2: It's definitely time for that run to finish, Paul. Absolutely.
1: Okay. So, predictions for the week. Uh, Phil, what are you going with?
3: Uh, I, I, I want to say three and one, but I'm probably leaning toward two and two. Um, the Clippers game is obviously going to be tough. But, you know, I think being back home, you know, if the Magic play the way that they've played, uh, they played a Friday night against Indiana they should be able to beat Charlotte and Sacramento. I mean, you know, you didn't mention it there, but Sacramento has by far the worst defense in the league. Um, So the Magic need, you know, again, Minnesota has a pretty bad defense too, and the Magic couldn't take advantage of that. Um, So the Magic, you know, the Magic have to kind of keep doing what they're doing and finding their way. Um, You know, these are winnable games, and these are games the Magic have to take if they want to make the playoffs. Um, You know, we've been kind of waiting for this homestand and this homestretch. I think seven of their next eight games are at home. Um, this is the chance the Magic have to kind of get back to 500 and, and get back where they need to be. So, you know, they, they got to have a good week this week. I think three and one over these next four games would be a huge victory. Two and two, you're, you're kind of all right with, um, you know, uh, understanding the circumstances. But Magic got to pick up wins now. This is this is the time to make your move.
2: Uh, so should I throw it out to you, Mikey? Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm going to stay positive. I'm going to go three and one. I'm going to go three and one. I just think after the last two games is a bit more feel good feeling about the team again. Uh, we have got a little bit more about us. We look a bit more, we've got that little bit more between the teeth. Gordon's getting more comfortable. Cole's looking, uh, more and more comfortable with the team every game. Um, I think back home back in their own beds and a little bit more of home comforts instead of being out on the road and living in hotels and, um, Hopefully the team's gonna have a little bit more about them at home because we haven't started great at home. Um so hopefully we can uh, we can pick up three wins. Uh, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna say we're gonna beat the Clippers. That's my bold prediction this week. So there we go. Wow. Okay. Paul.
0: Three and one. Three and one. For me, I think um I think we've got a the I think we beat the Kings. I think we beat the, the Hornets on one night and for some reason and I can't tell you why I also think that we can take the Clippers on this on this one. And I can't tell you why.
2: I've got, great no idea think alike.
0: <laughs> yeah, I've got no idea why I'm thinking it but I just feel that it's we 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 could I, I guess I, I'm feeling a surprise is coming. There's that it's been a season of it hasn't it where some of the some of the big teams have been beaten Um, but in unexpected games, and I think this is one for us. Yeah, three and one. Okay, cool.
1: Um, I'm gonna go with two and two. Maybe the pessimist here, but um, like we've all mentioned, um, it's difficult to beat teams back to back. Um, Sacramento have got a couple of nice wins. They've got a decent team. The Clippers are difficult. Um, so I'm just gonna. I'd I'd like to be wrong. Let's say put it that way. I'd like to be wrong, but I'm going to put, go with two and two for the week.
0: I'd like to um, be wrong, and as four and <laughs> zero.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I'm never right, though, am I? So. <laughs> right, on to the next section. That is magic trivia. Now, I had a question planned, um, and we were watching the broadcast this morning. Mr. Dante Marcatelli only asked that question, or came up with that question on his Moments with Dante segment. So I thought, I can't ask this question because they'll all get it right. So we've had to um, have a think. Um, So I've gone with a question, um, which is to do with Phil's interest in uh, British football. Mm -hmm. So what I'm going to ask you is if you can name which football club is known by said nickname. Okay. So of course you follow the cottages Fulham, sir. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, the greatest club in the world called the Bluebirds, Cardiff city. So um, I've got you a couple of um, couple each. So I'll start with Phil. So who are known as the red dragons?
3: The red dragons. That would, uh,
1: it's a tough one.
3: I would have said that was that would have been Cardiff because they're in Wales, right?
1: Yeah, you're thinking along the right lines.
3: Yeah, it's, it's, it's got to be someone in Wales. Uh, I'm blanking on who else is in Wales besides Cardiff at this point. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's up in North Wales, if that is, is any good help to you. It is Wrexham. Yeah, you'd be right there, Wrexham. Sorry, that was a difficult one there, Phil. I did that, one was that, that was tricky. That was tricky. Hey, thought, hey, I, 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 really I did.
3: Low ball. I, I did get the right part of the country. Like, like really us Americans weird. are not completely bad at geography.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, Paul, I've got one for you now. Who are known as the Hatters? It's Luton Town. That is correct. Uh, Mikey, who are known as the Millers? Mikey doesn't know his lower no. league football because no. he supports a Premier League team.
2: Um
1: I've got a I've funny feeling there. that Paul will know this.
2: Good Paul. I think I've worked there. No idea.
1: Paul
0: I think it's Rotherham, isn't it?
1: It is it's Rotherham, Rotherham <laughs> United. I've, okay, so back far, to... I'm,
0: I'm three for three on the grounds that I've worked at as well so far. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, one for Phil. Um, who are known as the Tangerines?
3: The Tangerines, very, very you've Orlando, in- very Orlando yeah. uh, uh, centric of you there to go with the Tangerines. Um, uh,
1: you've got, you've got to, haven't you? And yeah. they've been in the Premier League. Okay. In I'm the last think, ten years. Think,
3: in the last ten years. So oh, that, that narrows it down. Um, I am, I'm blanking. I don't know the nicknames as well as I as I should. Um,
2: no, do you I want any help know. from the boys? I'll, I'll take this one. I think. Shout out to Luke. Is it uh, Blackpool?
3: Blackpool yeah, is go.
0: correct. OK. Yeah. yeah. I'd still go with them as seasiders. That's 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 what you always hear them chanting.
1: Yeah, but they're the only team that wear orange, aren't they? Mm. Can you think of any yeah. other teams that wear orange? Or tangerine?
3: The Netherlands. That's, that's a good <laughs> point. <Yeah. laughs> there
1: we go. One point for Phil. <laughs> um, right. I've kicked it up a notch because I thought the others were easy for the boys. So for Paul, who are
2: known as the Vikings? You're making these up now, aren't you? I'm not.
0: <laughs> I, I'll be honest with you, mate. I have never heard that nickname.
1: And um, it's, it's uh, somewhere this near I'm, where you live. Really? I think.
0: Well, I was, I was going to go more Darlington direction.
1: Ooh, it starts with the right letter. I think they're not in League not, One now. Starts
0: with a D. League exactly.
3: League one. It's
1: not Derby
3: County, not is one, it? Sorry. Um no. I don't know, mate. I've got no, no.
1: idea
0: on that
1: The answer really- is Doncaster Rovers. Is it and really? apparently it's to do... Rovers is a, t- uh, a term for Vikings, and they've also got a, a, a Viking helmet on the club crest.
0: Mate, I've I've worked there as well, and I've got I've got no idea of that one. <laughs> no
1: idea.
0: And I yes you're very right la- a few miles away.
1: Right, the last one is for Mikey but I don't think Mikey'll get it so I'll throw it out to everybody. Love Who known confidence. The- Oh mate, this one this one's something else. <laughs> Who are known as the monkey hangers? Oh I know that one
2: monkey hangers yeah Again, you're making things up, aren't you? Um, no, that is correct. I've got,
0: a,
1: I've got a reason for this.
0: Famous for hanging a monkey that was found on a ship.
2: Can in I have a? Um, can you give me a, a clue where, what, where, what area they're in roughly?
1: Paul's net. Well, up north with Paul. Up,
2: up north. <laughs>
1: <laughs> give my last answer.
2: <laughs> oh God, knows. no, no idea.
1: No, do you want to have a guess, Phil?
3: I I have no I have no clue. That one that one is beyond me.
1: <laughs> okay, I'll I'll give I'll just give the explanation before Paul tries to reveal who it is. So during the Na- Napoleonic Wars, citizens of this place allegedly hung a monkey, believing it was a French spy. So that's how they got the nickname. Anyway, Paul, who who is it?
0: I think it's Darlington, isn't it? Is no, it it's Darlington?
1: not. It, no. Uh, Holly- Pool United. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hartlepool United. So there you go. Well done, everybody. Sorry,
2: sorry for the show getting weird, Phil. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. I got.
3: I got. To, I got to learn. I got. To, I got to follow English soccer a little bit closer than I do. I, I. I am. I'm not a good guest in that. That regard. I mean, Fulham's kind of chilling there at the bottom of the standings, and they're showing Man United. I'm like, why? Who cares about the top of the standings? It's all about relegation. That's 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 where the that's where the meat of the season is.
0: As a leaves fan, I'm happy. Middle of the table. Oh, yeah, box. seriously. <laughs> I'm happy. I'm happy we are out of that fight at this moment.
3: Like, like, like literally, I'm sitting here watching Fulham and I'm just like my only goal is don't get relegated. Just, just get above the line. I mean, and they've yep. they've like drawn like seven of their last eight games or eight of the last nine games or something. And I'm just like, just get a point. Every point matters, just get a point.
0: <laughs> Consolidate on yeah. the season, mate. That's what you have yep. to.
3: Yep. The real money doesn't come till that second year in the Premier League. So you gotta you just you gotta stay up that first year and then you can figure out how to climb the table yeah. to the middle.
2: Yeah. I'm, I'm, with uh, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. Well, being a Liverpool fan is like being a, a magic fan at the moment, just worrying about injuries week in, week out. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, so that wraps it up for this week's episode. Thank you very much, Phil, for joining us. Hope you enjoyed.
3: Yep, absolutely. Thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, keep keep doing. I, it's great always interacting with you guys. Um, I want to say, you know, like you guys have done a really good job, I, I feel like, expanding the fandom and, and interacting with fans in the UK. And, and honestly, one of the most rewarding things about doing the blog and interacting with so many people online especially has been just seeing how wide the reach of Magic Fandom is and, and seeing how big our Magic family is. So I'm I'm always happy to interact with you guys, help out any way that I can. I know there's an ocean between us. But uh, the magic are still still there for us whenever we need them.
1: Brilliant, thank oh, well,
3: you. Glad to bring you back in the Amway again, mate. Yeah,
1: and you're welcome next back t- anytime you want.
3: Hopefully, the
2: next time we see you will be side by side at a magic game doing some media, because yeah. uh, me and Garrett got given media passes. I can't remember what game it was for now. Um, uh, Indiana. But, but our trip in March last year, that yeah. we were supposed to come over, yeah. we had media passes for one of the games, and. Uh, Obviously, our trip got cancelled due to COVID. So hopefully the next time we'll see you.
3: Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully it'll be soon, guys. Absolutely. Yeah,
2: brilliant.
1: Thank you for listening and uh, we'll see you next week. Go Magic. Go Magic.
2: You've been listening to the Penny for Your Thoughts podcast from the guys at Orlando Magic UK. Please subscribe to the podcast available on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify and YouTube. Check out our website, orlandomagicuk.com, the UK home for fans of the Orlando Magic, and support us by using our links to the official NBA store and Fanatics for your official merchandise, including the NBA, the NFL, and many more. Follow us at Orlando Magic UK on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Go Magic!